Welcome everybody to the Mongols preview show. I'm Justin Ashcraft with Steve Matty Ace. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and the Beautiful Game Network. Tonight we're going to break down all the stats of the Riverhounds matchup with Louisville City this weekend. Steve, how are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. A little tired. Uh, so I think everybody's figured out by now that I work at Pitt, but I'm also uh, going back to school. And that is really tiring. I forgot how much reading is involved in a grad program. So that's basically all I did this past weekend, even though it was a holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. Going to school and uh, working and doing all that at the same time, not easy, not easy. No, I, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. <laughs> well, hopefully... Everybody had a good Labor Day as, uh, you know, as the guys even labored on Labor Day and recorded their episode on Labor Day. Yep. And it was a beautiful weekend for it. I mean, great weather all around this weekend. For sure. For sure. So uh, the Hounds play Louisville City on Saturday. Uh, The uh, Hounds are at home, obviously. So come definitely come down to Highmark. Probably the biggest stat in that category uh, are the Hounds stats at home. Um, so this year we're eight wins and five draws, uh, at high mark. We haven't lost there in the regular season since July 21st of 2018. So almost 14 months, uh, at high mark without having lost there in the regular season. So, um, pretty good stats at home from the hounds this year. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to note that we didn't advance in the playoffs, but that was a tie that we didn't advance on penalty kick. So it is, uh, on a stat sheet, it does go down as a tie as well. So even though we didn't make it out of the first round last year at home, uh, we still haven't lost, including the playoffs, um, if we want to look at it that way. Which, hey, you know, I'm going to find a way to uh, to put the best shine on it for the Hounds as I can. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Louisville's away form... Uh, even across the board, four wins, four draws, four losses. Um, though they have won their past two on the road at Charleston, two to one, at Charlotte, one to nothing. Um, and their two wins, two draws, and a loss in their last five away games. That loss was to Loudon, and the draws came away courtesy of India and Ottawa, both won one games. So, bit of a mixed bag? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I mean, I do think they are a little bit on the ascendancy, um, uh, especially when you look at their overall form. So to go along with the two most recent wins that they've had away, um, they have also beaten Atlanta United 2 in a 5-1 game, and then they beat North Carolina FC 1-0. And then their most recent game, uh, a 1-1 tie against Indy. and that's how they've played Indy in both the home and away fixtures this season, 1-1 tie. So um, they've played Indy pretty level, um, beat Atlanta, beat North Carolina FC. Um, so they're turning it around a little bit, it looks like, right now. Yeah, and that 1-1 draw at Indy might have been the best. I mean, against Indy in their last game might have been the best thing for the Hounds in that game. Um, you know, whatever result you're kind of looking at. I mean, a 1-1 draw. I mean, it probably may have been a little bit better had Louisville won that game. But, um, I mean, when you're looking at teams kind of around you in the table, if they're drawing each other, that's probably good. Mm-hmm. If neither team is getting three points, that's probably the best best result. Um, yeah, and I think that that is probably the worst possible outcome for Indy in that game. That for sure, if they had gotten blown out like we did against North Carolina, hey, you know they realized they screwed up on that game, turn around and bounce back like it looks like we might be doing right now. But this, it's just an anemic one-one draw. That from what I looked at, it did not look like it was an entertaining game at all. It just looked really drab. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Um, so, meanwhile, we all know what the Hounds have been doing, with the exception of the North Carolina game. The Hounds have been showing up. Seven wins, one tie, two losses in our last ten games. Uh, both losses coming uh, in Carolina to the Carolina teams um, at the end of three games in over a week's time. So, a lot of a lot of kind of, I mean, you kind of understand why we lost both those games. But other than that, we've been, we've been showing up. So, that kind of sets us up for this next game. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, so there are some things that are really interesting uh, as we get into what to pay attention to in this game. So before we get into some of the stats things, international call-ups! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we... I, I hope everybody got to see uh, the news from uh, today, Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday night, so uh, you, you won't get to hear this till tomorrow. But um, Tommy Van Kaiazeel gets his first international call-up for French Guiana. Yep. That's yep. exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, super excited for him. I mean, well-deserved. He's played so well over the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. And and so just a, I mean, I think a really good call-up for him. Um and a good chance to go play some international football. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, uh, I'm really excited for Tommy, but man, this couldn't come at a worse time, I think. <laughs> I think just at this point in the season when everybody's really starting to gel to have such a key player have had a game that he missed a couple weeks ago with the red card and then be on international duty. Um, but yeah, it's great for him. Just, just really don't want to see him go. That's actually funny because I said the exact opposite to Laura when I read this. Um, I was like, actually, if you think about a time for him to be away, I mean, this is a game against a team that's lower than us in the table who's not all that good at shooting the ball, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and they, it's at home. So I think it's a chance for us to go back four. We're not really, you know, it gets a chance for Dabo or somebody to kind of sit in between the center backs that gets Kenny and Robbie kind of up the field. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's like a, the way that we've played in the last couple of weeks with uh, back four at home, really attacking football. I think it actually, it's not a bad game for him to miss. Although you don't want to see somebody like that miss any games down the stretch like this. Yeah. But and that's more may not be with it. Yeah. Is, is the missing, missing time with the team at this point in the season. Not necessarily yep. this game in particular. Yeah. yeah. But super yeah. excited for him. I mean, that's going to be a great opportunity to, to get out. And, uh, I mean, they're playing Belize and St. Kitts and Neves. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah. I, ne- I don't know how to say it. I'd never have. I've always said it different whenever I try to say it. So, uh, excuse my pronunciation. Um, <laughs> so, neither of those teams are strong, but neither is anybody else in the uh, Group B of the Nations League. So, I mean, it is going to be a pretty competitive environment. Hopefully, he can get on the field in one of those or both of those games. Yeah, yeah. If he gets some minutes down there, I think it's just a good chance to see a different level of football or a different type of football <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Along get CONCACAFed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along with that, Louisville is also missing their pair of Jamaicans who... Uh, as of recently, have been called up fairly frequently for the Jamaican national team. Uh, Devon Speedy Williams will be out for for Louisville and Sean Francis as well. Um, so they are missing kind of two um, key players in some ways. I mean, we both kind of noted before the before the podcast started, like these aren't guys that will show up on your stat sheet necessarily, but you're looking at Sean Francis who plays right back. Um, and you're looking at Speedy Williams, who plays in the midfield. So it kind of depends where you play in those positions, in what type of player you are, to mm-hmm. whether you're going to so. 
Yeah, and I think those guys, I mean, we've definitely got players on our team that are similar in that mold of guys that are so important to the team, but may not be the guys that you're looking at and jumping out when you're looking through the statistics. Somebody maybe like a Ryan James um, or a Dabo, somebody like that, that, um, hey, they're they're important players for us, but um, despite how good they are, they may not get the recognition for that, um, but they make the team better. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at a guy like Kevin Kerr, too. I mean, Kevin Kerr, I mean, you look at his just kind of overall numbers this year. Mm-hmm. They're not like they were two, three years ago uh, for the Hounds, but he's obviously a player who provides something to the Hounds offense and all that kind of stuff. So I think you're, you know, these guys aren't, Speedy Williams, Sean Francis, aren't guys that are going to light up a score sheet or um, have crazy numbers in the back. Um, but they are, they've played a lot of minutes. Um, so it is a player that Louisville is going to figure out how to replace. Um, not that they haven't replaced them some over the past couple of years as these guys have been getting call-ups, but um, just a thing to look out for. So that's kind of our first thing to look out for. Um, so the Hounds will be without Tommy V, so that might change the lineup a little bit, might mm-hmm. go back to a back four, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Louisville is also without kind of two starters, um, so it'll be interesting to see how both um, teams play. Yeah, definitely going to be some wild cards in the formations. Yep. Um, so I'm going to throw two kind of big stats out, and these are the two that kind of stood out to me more than anything else. And then we have about 12 other ones that were just sort of stats that we came across that I, I don't know. I, I Louisville as a team, I'm just not sure how to feel about this year. I think they're mediocre at best. Um, and, and not to say they're bad. They're not bad. They just like... They lost a lot of key components with losing Cameron Lancaster, with losing Greg um, Ranjetsing, like losing these kind of big players, you lose a lot. And so I think that's sort of showing up in Louisville this year. Yeah. And the other aspect of that, losing their coach to Orlando City as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you're losing kind of key components. So I think that's just sort of showing up this year in that they didn't replace these guys as effectively as um maybe they could have or should have so uh two stats for you uh we'll do them one at a time though uh the first being this louisville has 38 goals on the season uh compared to the hounds 48 if you want a comparison so hounds have scored 48 louisville scored 38 but their conversion rate is 11 percent they're taking a ton of shots aren't they (laughs) I mean, they must be taking a ton of shots, and nothing's. There's not that many more shots on target than the Hounds either. They just can't I mean, put the ball in the back I of the net. I want to put that in perspective. That means they've taken almost 380 shots this season. Right, right, and they've scored 38 goals. Right. So these guys just that's don't abysmal. Score. It's it's bad. <laughs> uh, to give you perspective, the Hounds are leading the league in conversion percentage at 21. percent so I mean, yes, I mean it's not that's like com- helped. Uh, our numbers definitely got padded, and Mike, Kevin, Josh talked about this uh, on the pod, uh, the roundup from the Ottawa game. I think somebody said like, "Oh yeah, I think the Hounds like had like a sixty percent conversion rate." Um, I went back and did the math; it was a forty percent conversion rate. Still freaking fantastic. Right, right. But it's just like I just think about when you're only scoring at eleven percent rate. That's second last in the league. I last place team and i don't remember who the team was with the eight percent so but these guys 11 only 11 that's really bad to laugh at that 
at least I didn't know who it was. I can't call a team out, but um, <laughs> I think this. I think what's what what that tells me for this game is this game. I mean, for the most part, sits on Joe Greenspan, Toby Adewale. If you don't let Louisville shoot, they're not going to score. So. If they are shooting all game long, they might score a couple goals. But if you don't let them shoot, they're not going to score. So, I think, I mean, this is pretty simple game plan, it feels like, for me. Yeah, I think the other stat there as well uh, makes me think that, you know, Louisville, they really give everything their all, and they try and try and try, because they've got one or 12,392 passes this year almost i mean like that's just insane it's the most in the league so they're i mean they're pushing the ball around they're taking shots and they're still not doing that well yeah i just think this shows like how when you have strikers who can score like when you have guys like cameron lancaster like you're gonna score goals but if you don't have those guys if you don't have these guys who can score I, it becomes really hard. It just shows you how important an effective striker is, right? Like, mm-hmm. did somebody like Nico Brett, who has a really good conversion rate across the league, I mean, he's putting a lot of his shots in the back of the net where they're not. Louisville's not. So I think it's just a very interesting thing. Um, that 12,392 passes is incredible. I mean, that's so many passes. It also, I think, sets up well, means that Louisville will probably have a lot of possession. Um, but I think that sets up well for the Hounds, who are a good team on the counter. So mm-hmm. I think if, if they're going to pass the ball around a lot, they're going to hit it between their center backs a bunch and all that kind of stuff. If we can get on some of those balls in midfield um, and take the ball away from them, then we might have a chance to score some goals on the counter. Um, so I think those are the two things that kind of hit me was that their conversion rate is only 11%, uh, but they've hit 12,000 passes on the season. So, I mean, they're, they, they do possess the ball, um, but not, they don't score well. Yeah. I mean, they possess it, but not very well. Yeah. yeah. So a couple things to go along with that, I think just kind of small stats that kind of relate to that, um, their two leading goal scorers, Rasmussen, has 10 goals. Luke Spencer has seven. Nobody mm-hmm. else has more than three. So Yeah, they're pretty anemic uh, in front of goal. <laughs> it's like you got to shut those two guys down, mm-hmm. uh, and then they're probably not going to score that much. Um, kind of the other thing with that, Oscar Jimenez, their kind of creative midfielder. He's been around for several years for Louisville. Um, he's created 80 chances this season 80 80 chance <laughs> he's created 80 chances and they only have 38 goals so this is not a team that scores well um no. so i think this sets up well for a good hounds defense it really does um the other player that i am really interesting i i, I think it's going to be really interesting um probably one that i think a lot of people um throughout the years have not liked very much uh paco craig um he's had quite a bit of issues uh on the discipline sheet this year uh two red cards nine yellow cards and i'm just wondering i mean with a player like dos santos who he knows how to play that game and get in people's heads can he get to him can he draw some of those fouls start drawing some of those cards and put him out of the game yeah yeah and i think when you're looking at guys like mertz and 
Brett, who play sort of aggressive attacking football, you know, can Paco Craig keep himself out of trouble? And I mean, I don't know. He hasn't, it seems like he hasn't been able to most of the season, but, um, and he, he has a lot of fouls other than those cards. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting thing um, that might set up well for some, you know, Kenny Forbes free kicks and, and different things like that. So it could be an interesting matchup, not just because of the cards, but because of the fouls created if they can kind of get in Paco Craig's head. Yeah, for sure. And last thing about Louisville, kind of just stats-wise, um, I'm not sure, you know, uh, they've gone through some goalkeepers this year. Uh, Hubbard, their kind of starting keeper at the moment, uh, kind of started out the season, got injured. They brought in Ben Lunt from uh, FC Cincinnati, um, and he got injured. So now Hubbard's kind of back uh, in as the number one. He has 12 appearances and 12 goals given up. So he's giving up exactly a goal a game. Um, so I think that there's chances that tells me there's some chances to score um as Mm -hmm. well um so i think seeing what that looks like uh i did a quick comparison um and you kind of have to this is where stats can get a little messed up right and you can kind of make them say whatever you want uh kyle morton has 16 starts this season has given up 18 goals but if you remember, he gave up eight in his first four starts. He also has was in goal for that five-goal game against North Carolina. So if you take out either his stretch at the beginning of the season or the one bad game uh, kind of at the end of the season here, he's actually had seven clean sheets in his last 11 games. Um, and so I think there's like, I mean, I think there's, or 12 games. He said seven clean sheets in the last 12 games. So, I mean, I think there's, you can kind of make, you can kind of look at that and say Kyle Morton's had a worse season than Hubbard has, but you can also look at it and say, well, okay, but there's been some form improvements towards the middle of the season. Take those out, take the beginning of the season out, then his numbers look a lot better. So, yeah, and I, I don't know where you want to go. To, with that. I think the other way to look at that is, do you want the guy that's going to consistently be giving up goals, or do you want the guy that when he's on form is going to be giving you those clean sheets right exactly exactly those are value judgments i think right um yeah for me at this point in the season the way he's been playing i mean going back to that north carolina game i mean i don't know that the first few goals there was much that any goalkeeper in the league could have done and then by that point i mean the team was just so demoralized that kyle got left out like the laundry. i mean (laughs) he was flapping in the wind with the way we were playing in that game so i you take that game out and it's like, you know, he didn't play poorly. And I remember even thinking with that game, like, wow, that's the best I've seen a keeper play in a complete blowout. Yeah, exactly. 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 So my money's going to be on him. Hubbard. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, they've had a lot of volatility and you're right. Since, uh, since Greg went to, uh, Orlando, I mean, another key player for them in goal, that Louisville just has not been able to replace, and it doesn't look like they've got someone that is going to do that, at least in the short term. So they're going to have to keep looking. And, hey, I think that favors us this week. Yep. So just to kind of wrap up Louisville, we had a couple things to talk about with the Hounds. Just to wrap up Louisville, they hit a lot of passes. They don't. Cre- they create some chances, but they don't ever score. So that's basically what you need to hear from all of that, is that they have hit the most passes in the league, but their conversion rate on their shots is just 11%. So as long as the Hounds, like they do to most teams in this league, uh, if they can keep Louisville from shooting, they're probably not going to score. And then I think we're going to be in a good shape as far as the game. So that's just kind of things to look out for. 
Uh, Louisville will have passes. They will have shots, but they probably won't score many of them. So we'll see if that those trends kind of stay consistent throughout this game as they have kind of mm-hmm. all season long. Uh, you found an interesting stat about Kenny Forbes. Yes. Um, so um, we talked about all of those passes that Louisville has. Um, Kenny Forbes as an individual uh, has quite a lot. Um, so he's got w- over 1,300 passes on the season. Um, but the crazy thing about it is not that he's taking that many passes, but that with that many passes, he's still got a passing accuracy of 82.2%. That means that eight out of 10 times that he passes the ball, it is successful. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive for sure. Especially with the number of passes he's taken. Yes. Yes. That, I mean, yeah, when you're looking at 1,300 passes right. and he's completing 8 out of 10 of them. Right, I mean, right. You're looking at a, I mean, when you talk about a quarterback of our offense, that's what it looks like when you yeah. complete 80% of your passes and you pass 1,300 of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then the other player that's just been really impressive lately, um, and I think everybody will agree with this, is Nico Brett. Um Coming off of earning player of the week in the USL championship, um, he's just looked fantastic. Um, And one of the things that I found that was really interesting, so I was going back through and looking, and uh, he is key to our offense and key to our offense scoring. Um, So we'll talk about that North Carolina game again, the one where we got blown out and didn't score. He didn't play in that game. Um, But in his last four appearances, he's either scored or assisted, um, or both. Um, so that's pretty awesome. I mean, he's hitting yep. form. He's playing well. He's contributing to the offense. Um, and then my stat of the week for this week is he is the second Riverhound to score 10 or more goals in back-to-back seasons, um, a feat that he shares with Corey Herzog. So he's just been really impressive, um, not just on recent form, um, but being consistent in scoring goals over the course of the past two seasons. Yep. Yep, I think that's I think that's a huge thing. We're gonna come back to Nico Brett in a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for the guys for Monday night, next Monday night. So we'll talk about it. Um, but let's uh, let's let's look a little bit down the stretch. I want to talk about mm-hmm. a few just kind of stats, kind of down the stretch. The guys were looking ahead um, at the next couple games and seeing what that might look like. So when we look down the stretch, where do we sit in the league? Yeah, so right now, I mean, we are sitting at fifth place. Um, but I think um, one thing to look at that's much more impressive um, is we are basically in a virtual three-way tie with both Nashville and Tampa Bay for points per game, uh, sitting in third place for that. So uh, India and New York, they're a little bit farther ahead, but three through five, us, Nashville, Tampa Bay, I mean, we are so stinking close that – um, it could be any one of those teams on a points per game that would be sitting at third. Um, and yeah. that's kind of what I said. That's kind of what I said. Also, like right. as we've talked about this, I, I I don't think we're catching Indy. I don't think we're catching Red Bull. Um, I think we can definitely catch Tampa. Um, but I mean, it sort of depends on how we play. Um, so you looked at some. I mean, maybe quickly kind of wrap this up for us. But you looked at some just down the stretch what kind of other teams are looking at and what's happening right i mean so i did go through um uh mike josh and kevin talked a lot about um how the hounds have five games in 15 days um indy also has a really grueling stress so 
I don't know that it is a given for them. Um, they've got some teams that are going to be looking to pick up points against them. Uh, they play Ottawa twice. Ottawa's still in the playoff picture. Um, they're going to be fighting for spots. They play New York. Uh, they play us. They play Tampa Bay. Um, so all strong, strong teams for them to have to play against. Um, and then they've also got Birmingham in there, who uh, has been on a good run of form lately. Um, so this goes both ways for both the Hounds and for uh, Indy. I mean... The performances that we have down the stretch are really going to make a big difference, especially in those tight game weeks. Um, uh, But then I also did something a little more unique, and I calculated the strength of schedule uh, for each of the top seven teams. Um, I didn't really want to throw out North Carolina because they're only a few points behind us. And then I was like, well, if I include them, I've got to include Louisville because Louisville is three points behind them but has a game in hand. So, you know, they could get to the point that North Carolina is in. but so what I did is I averaged the position of uh, each opponent for the teams one through seven and came up with a number based on their average opponent's current standing. Um, and so this may be completely meaningless. It probably is completely meaningless, especially because these numbers are going to change as games happen. Uh, but the Hounds have the second easiest stretch of games based on where our opponents are currently sitting. Only Tampa Bay has an easier uh, set of opponents going down uh, to the end of the season. So that to me is something that looks pretty nice. Um, And yeah, something I'm excited to see. Hey, maybe we can pick up some more points than we thought. Um, New York is the team that has the hardest stretch. Yeah. Uh, The good thing for them is they've created a little bit of a buffer in their points, you know, in in the points that they have so they they have some wiggle room in, in whether they win or lose games from here to the end of the season but I think it I mean does that necessarily mean anything who knows I don't know but it is interesting to kind of look at like who who are these teams playing as we go down to the end of the season mm-hmm. um, and it looks like we have uh, you know we have a much easier schedule than some of these other teams do whether we can take advantage of that because of some of these challenges of five, you know, four games in 15 days or any of these things that, you know, happen, um, you know, down the stretch, whether we can take it, who knows? But right. I think just seeing that and saying, okay, like we do have some games against mm-hmm. the Memphises of the world and, and, and some of these teams who have not been good this season. Right. Um, who knows? Okay. Maybe we can pick up some points here and there. Yeah. So, yeah. So I went through and I did all that because I was trying to figure out the answer to the question because Mike had asked the guys, well, where are we going to be at the end of the season? And gave them plus or an over under of 3.5. So are we going to be in the top three or are we going to be in four or below? Um, And that's why I went through and was trying to take a look at this. So Justin, I'll pose that question to you as well. 3.5 in the Mm. table. Over or under that for the Hounds at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, if I was actually putting money on this, I'd take the over because I think we probably finish in fourth. Um, But I think based on form and schedule going in, I'll take the under. I I mean, I think we can get to three. That's kind of what I said. Um, And that's where I think the Hounds should be able to get based on our schedule. Um, And if we can play well down the stretch, who knows? What do you think? So I didn't gain any clarity trying to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what's supposed to happen with this. So, I mean, I'm going through this. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to come up with a way to justify an answer. And I I got no way to really feel like I got a good way to do this. 
Um, so what I defaulted to is, despite some of those games being easier games, we do have five games in 15 days. That makes me a little nervous. Yep. So reluctantly, I'm going to say the over as well. Okay. However, if we do well in that, that stretch, then it's going to easily be top three for us. All right. Well, we are hitting our time limit, sort of. Um, we're trying to keep these short for you. We're not doing a great job of it. We're going <laughs> to try again next week to get back to the 20-minute mark. But um, here we go. I have a question for you uh, based on Nico Brett. Um, and then I'm also posing this to the guys on Monday. So, guys, you do have to answer this question. Um, in just under two years, uh, Nico Brett has 27 goals for the Riverhounds with several games left this season. So I have two questions for you guys. Um, one is, and I'll answer this yes or no as well, but just a yes or no answer. Does he catch Kevin Kerr, who has 32 goals for the Hounds, by the end of this season? I say yes. I say yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think I mean, he, he gets had, five, five or six. Yeah. And unless he had a Kevin great scores, season last year, I don't see why he can't get close or match that. Um, he's got he's got the time to do it, and he's on the form to do it. So I could see him scoring more than he did last year, which would I also him well say, ahead of that. I also say yes because I think he doesn't even have to score a game a goal or a goal a game from now till the end of the season to catch that. Mm-hmm. And then I think if we can get one or two playoff games, yeah, he might, he might get there. Uh, and then the second, so David Flavius has 60 goals as the all time river hounds leading scorer. Does he catch him at all? So that's a much harder thing to answer because I know, but I'm just asking the question because, because to answer that question, I have to try to piece through does he stay good enough to catch that? Which, yes, he does. He will score 60 goals total over the next five years of his career. The bigger question is, is he with the Hounds at during that time? That's... And the way he's been playing, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe an MLS team swoops in to take a flyer on a guy to put on the bench that they want as an impact sub. Well, if that happens, then no, he doesn't hit that 60. If he stays with us, um, I hope he does stay with us. I have no doubt that he'll be able to do that. I think if he stays with us, he does. He catches Flavius. So that's my that's my take. Uh, I also agree with you. If uh, MLS team swoops in, I'm hoping that Nico is old enough at this point that I'm not sure that a MLS team that would you rather a 26, 27 year old or would you rather a 22, 23 year old? And where are you taking? You know, are you going to take your chance on a 22, 23 year old coming out of college? or out of your academy, or something like that, or are you going to take a chance on a 26, 27-year-old who's had some good years in USL? Can he turn that into MLS success? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So Yeah, I just see him potentially being like Dan Kelly was for DC, was the top scorer in USL, got pulled up to DC, didn't feature, and now he's back in USL with a yeah. different team. <laughs> so Who knows? that's what I don't want to see with Brett. So put that back to the guys. In just under two years, Nico Brett has 27 goals for the River Hounds. Games left this season. Two questions. Does it catch Kevin Kerr, who's currently on 32 goals by the end of the season? Or does it catch David Flavius, who has 60 goals at all? So those are the two questions for you guys. Um, as we wrap up, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. 
We are also a part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go check us and many other podcasts out at bgn.fm. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Subscribe and definitely leave us a review, guys. It definitely helps when you leave us reviews. Um, and you can contact us on- online at Mongols on Facebook and Twitter and Mongols Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you think of our shows, what you think of the questions we've been asking. Um, we love hearing from you guys and uh, would love to hear what you guys think about any of the shows that we do um, at any point. So until next time, have a great day. Ciao.